get in the way of what I want, I'm going to want you to get out of my way. And you might not want to get out of my way because you want what you want when you want it. But I want you to get out of my way. And not only that, I want you to abandon what you want and start wanting what I want too. And we'll get along great. But the problem is you want something that's not what I want. And I've got to tolerate that. And, and if necessary, I just need to get you out of the scene so I can just get about wanting what I want. All right, welcome to every conflict that happens in every part of our lives. That's the reality, right? Your appetite is your belly. And they glory in their shame. In other words, we celebrate stuff that ought to be shameful. We ought to be embarrassed by what we go public with and stand and go rah-rah about. According to God's view, that's embarrassing. You ought to be ashamed of that. And instead, we think it's cool. We think it's awesome. We want to see it again. Let's put it on TV so everyone can watch it. All of this because our minds are set on earthly things. Paul says, but our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. Right? We await a Savior who, when he touches this earthly, perishable, temporary body, he's going to transform it. We're going to cross this bridge called resurrection, and we're going to get a new body, one that's not like the old one. That's how we get out of this place. We get a new body. And so the one thing that I need to be concerned about in this world is whether or not I'm ready to be in that world. Ready to put on a new body and live a different life. Be in a different dimension. Because at the end of my life, death awaits me just like it awaits you. The power that Paul talked about in that passage, it was the power of the resurrection. He mentions it a little bit earlier. In Philippians chapter 3, he says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things. That sounds just like Abraham could have said that. I met God, and what God promised convinced my heart that he ultimately has what I need, and I was willing to suffer the loss of all things. Leave her the Chaldees, not a problem. Because what I really need is over there. Not just over here and over here. I need that. And so Abraham parts with everything. The apostle Paul, 2,000 years later, turns around and says the same thing. I, I suffered the loss of all things in order to follow him. The one who could ultimately take me across the bridge that I needed to cross. Earlier in that chapter he says, That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection of the dead. By any means possible, I may attain the resurrection of the dead. By any means possible. I mean, living your life on a daily basis, recognizing that the one thing you need is an exit strategy out of this world. The story gets told over and over again in Scripture. It gets told in our lives. It gets told in... In literature, John Bunyan wrote a, a book called Pilgrim's Progress. Pilgrim's Progress, about a man who was just passing through this life. He lived his life with his family until one day he got a revelation that this city that he lived in was going to be destroyed. And that, in fact, everything was going to be destroyed. And there was only one safe to, place to be. It was called the Celestial City. And he starts down this pilgrimage 
through life. And he meets all kinds of people along the way. People who aren't traveling to that place. They're just busy living in their own little world. And he bumps into them in one place after another. They're not hastening to get anywhere. But he is hastening to get to one place because he knows everything here is going to be destroyed. And I have to get there. It was this obsession for him. Listen, if you meet somebody who's met God, you should bump into this obsession. If you met Abraham, or you met Paul, or you met Pilgrim on his journey, you would meet people who were on their way somewhere, who were living their lives here, like this is not the most important thing going on for me. Getting to that place, the one obsession I have is i got to find the bridge out of here because I know my day is coming. And it's not that far away. The older you get, doesn't it just speed up faster and faster and faster? This is like a grease pole, man. You're sliding there fast. Well, where is this resurrection going to take us? When we get to this bridge, where are we going? Well, here's a couple of descriptions. John chapter 14, Jesus is sitting with his disciples. It's right before the crucifixion. It's the night before. He's having a meal with them. He's talking about things that matter in light of eternity. And he turns to them and he says this. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. Some translations say many mansions. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. This verse here is so huge in terms of the reality of what it speaks about to our lives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Why is the Son of God having to say that to his disciples? These are his disciples. He's the Son of God. He's the King of glory. And yet he's having to tell his disciples, listen, guys, don't let your hearts be troubled. All right, this, this, is, this is deep Bible application. You ready? Why do you think he told them, don't let your hearts be troubled? Because their hearts would be troubled. All right, there you go. That's how you read the Bible. <laughs> and that's not news for any one of us. That Jesus had to say, hey, don't let your hearts be troubled. Anybody in here familiar with letting your heart be troubled? Welcome to life, right? If you're, if you're breathing and you're on planet Earth, life's got trouble in it. But what's the remedy here? This is very important. What's the remedy here that Jesus says, here's the remedy to letting your heart not get overcome, overwhelmed, and troubled by this life. Here's the remedy. Start thinking about that life. Start thinking about the life I'm preparing for you. Because I'm, I'm about to die and I'm going to be resurrected, and I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And that's your ultimate place. It's, it's the place Abraham saw from a distance. That's the place, ultimately, that I want you to look forward to in your life. Now listen, some Christians need to read their Bible more carefully, because this is what we think God came to do. We think he came on earth to teach us how to use faith in a really cool, powerful way, so that we could improve our temporary existence here on earth in unbelievable ways. So that on earth... Though there's a lot of other people that are suffering here, not us. We're wealthy and we're all healed of every disease and we got no problems going on here. So do not, this is how this Bible verse should have been written. I don't know what Jesus was thinking, but this is what he should have been saying on that night. 
gentlemen, do not let your hearts be troubled. If you just got like a little bit of faith, you can turn your whole world around and you can have the best of everything, gentlemen. You just got to learn how to pray right. Is that what he said? He said, don't let your heart be troubled. Start setting your heart in another place. Your citizenship is somewhere else. This life here, from this moment all the way to the last day that it exists, is going to have trouble in it. You're going to have trouble living in it. And I'm not going to make that trouble go away. And one of the reasons I'm not is because I don't want you to be at home here. I want you to set your heart there. That's where you're home. I'm going to prepare a place for you, and this ain't the place. So you can spruce this one up. You can paint it all you want. You can buy some new furniture. You can have enough faith to buy new furniture. But this still ain't your place. It's a temporary place on your way to another place. That's where that bridge will take us, right, all the way at the end, right, Revelation 21. This is some news to look forward to here. This is the end. You only got one more chapter of the Bible left here after Revelation 21. So we kind of get led in on here. What's happening at the end here? Chapter 21, verse 1. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth, that's the one we're living on right now, had passed away and the sea was no more. All right, can you just get that image in your head? Everything you and I understand to be our existence is going to be no more. No more. Now, to some of us, we're celebrating no more potholes in Lakeview. That's true, yeah, but no more anything. I mean, no more car to drive, right? I mean, no more. Verse 2, I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. This is what Abraham was looking for a city whose builder and architect was God. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. You're never going to see death again in another episode. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more. For the former things have passed away. Right? Do you get a picture here of this new city contrasted with the one we live in now? Do you understand? You don't have something from God that's going to make mourning and tears and pain in this world and death go away. It's not going to happen in this location. It's going to happen in that location. And the only way any of us are getting there is to cross the bridge into everlasting. And if you don't cross... You'll never escape those realities. You'll never escape pain. You'll never escape suffering. You'll never escape tears. You'll never escape the reality that you live your life with this thirsty soul. One day that thirst is going to get satisfied. I love the way the Bible says that. A thirsty soul gets satisfied. Because to me it's not just a matter of, it's not a picture of, oh, I've eaten too much, kind of a thing. It's more a picture of you've been out 
working in your yard, sweating. I mean, you, you just, you're overheated, and, and you are drinking your favorite solution for that situation, right? In that moment, you are being satisfied. You're not like, oh, no, no, I don't want any more. Oh, I'm good, man, uh, which might be you this afternoon after you've eaten your Easter dinner. But on your way there, when you actually are being satisfied, that, that sensation, that feeling, this is what it's going to be like to be around God all the time. A soul that longs and enjoys filling up on God all the time. Now, now can I make sure that we're aware of what the ultimate prize here of where we're going is? Because too many of us are thinking about, ah, oh, streets of gold, no more tears. That's going to be awesome. You know what the Bible first introduces us to? Behold the dwelling place of God. What's going to make heaven heaven is not that the streets are made of stuff that we thought was really valuable. It's going to be the, the out and out presence of God, unhindered by our inabilities to see things and taste and experience him. We're going to know and see him fully in heaven. Listen, that's the ultimate prize that awaits us in heaven. We sang that earlier, that song soon. I will be with the one I love. More than any other one that you love. That's, that's where the wheels come off of that one, right? I, mean, I, I love Jesus. You love Jesus? Yeah. It's like a cheer. I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? And we all kind of go, yeah. Yeah, me too. But do you love him more than anything else? And do you love him more than everyone else? Because if you don't, going to be in that place, it has a little bit of a bitter taste to it. It's like, yeah, I know I'm ultimately supposed to go there. And I'm supposed to be happy about it. Well, if you love him more than anything else, you're very happy about it. With unveiled face, I will see him. Part of the reason why we don't love him as we should love him is because we don't see him for all that he really is. There, my soul will be satisfied. There, there, not, not here completely. There, on the other side of the bridge, my soul will be satisfied. Look at this, this thought from Randy Alcorn. He says, is resurrected living in a resurrected world with the resurrected Christ and his resurrected people your daily longing and hope? Is it part of the gospel you share with others? Paul says that the resurrection of the dead is the hope for which we were saved. It will be the glorious climax of God's saving work that began at our new birth In liberating us from sin and all its consequences, the resurrection will free us to live with God. Gaze on him and enjoy his uninterrupted fellowship forever with no threat that anything will ever again come between us and him. Listen, that's ultimately where this bridge takes us. It takes us to be with the one we love and the one who loves us in a way that nobody else ever could. All right, that's episode four. But if you're not familiar with episode one, you can never really get episode four. But if you somehow skipped episode one or you didn't see it, 
episode four doesn't nearly have the impact on you like it could have, right? Bilbo comes along, finds a ring, plays with it a little bit, puts it on, finds out, ooh, this makes me disappear. Mm, I'm gone. Here, I'm back. I'm gone. I'm back. Wow, this thing is cool. Everybody else around him is getting old. He just keeps on living and looking young, years and years and years. But Bilbo has no idea what he has in his hands. He has no idea the real story of that ring. He has no idea that at some point that ring is going to come alive. And it's going to want to go back to its evil master. And that evil master is going to destroy everything on the planet, including Bilbo and everything he loves on this earth. See, if you don't know that kind of stuff, I guess you'd do interesting stuff with the ring. Now, listen, does that describe some of us? Right, we just, we just kind of, we, we were born. We came into this earth. We were born in Metairie or grew up in New Orleans or whatever. We started living life. We inherited a bunch of ideas. We didn't ask a lot of questions. We didn't realize that there was a storyline before you and I came along, and it framed our lives and everything about us. It explained why what life was the way it was, right? It's the power of the prequel, right? Can I give you a little bit of a episode one? Episode one is titled The Fall and the Fallen. That's episode one. A couple of things that episode one provides for us, and I'm going to go through these pretty quick. First, episode one provides an explanation of the origins of all things, including us. Where, where did everything come from? How did it all get here? Right, episode one, Genesis 1-1, the very first moment. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Where did all this come from? God created it. It didn't exist before. God put it into being. Colossians 1, we find out why it was created, which is as important as knowing where it came from, from God. It says, for by him, speaking of Jesus Christ, by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all Things were created through him and for him. All things were created through him, but more importantly for us, all things were created for him. All things were created for him. You and I were created. You and I were created for him. Material things were created. Those things were created for him things that you and I possess, the money in our lives, the time that has been created. Time is a created thing. It was created for him. Relationships that exist as God made us to be a people who would relate to one another. and We'd have context for those relationships. Adam and Eve were put together as a husband and wife. Out of them would flow children. Those relationships were created for him. So we just got introduced to something in episode one that's very, very, very important. Everything that was created had a reason for it. It was created for him. Which leads to the next discovery. We discover who the owner is. You know that, that term Lord is used a lot in the Bible? God does some interesting things. If you read the Old Testament prophets, for the purpose of being able to have a people say, thus they will know I am the Lord. 
And yeah, that's Lord for us. You know, we kind of grew up in America, watched some old movies. Lord looks like some English dude with some robes or something, and on he's Lord this and Lord that. Well, that word in the Bible has been used long before any of that stuff came along. In the Bible, do you know what the word Lord means? It means the owner. It means the master. He is the owner of everything. Now, that makes sense because all things were created for him. He, he helps us know, okay, where's the center of all things? Where, who's at the center of all things? Are, are you and I at the center of all things, or is God at the center of all things? He created everything, and you and I are part of that creation. So in this vast expanse of what God, who is the center of all things, created, somewhere you and I are floating around out there. How many of us get the ideas, though, that, that we're the center of all things and God's floating around out there? Right? If you're not sure about this, just, just let your life go bad and then notice how you treat God. When your life goes bad, right, you take God on, don't you? You accuse him of things. He needs... Get him in here. He's got some explaining to do. All of a sudden, God's not the God of the universe. He's one of your children who broke a vase. He needs to get in here and explain what the heck's going on. I'll take him to court. and He won't be so big. I mean, this is how we relate to God in this moment. Because all of a sudden, God's not the center of things. We're the center of things. Right? The ultimate, the ultimate most difficult moment for us in this scenario is when somebody that we love dies. And God needs to explain what on earth was he thinking? Where, what gives him the right to take what's ours? Right, all of a sudden, we're the owners. Because we missed episode one, didn't we? In episode one, God's the owner. Everything. But that's my whoever in my life. How could, how could God, listen, yeah, God created that relationship too. He owns the relationship. He owns the person. He owns you. He's the owner. He's the master of everything in our lives. It's an interesting perspective. This was a, a message given by Charles Spurgeon at the funeral of a friend who was also a fellow pastor who had, had died untimely death it seems Spurgeon says this brothers and sisters can you follow me in a great flight can you stretch broader wings than the condor ever knew and fly back into the unbeginning eternity there was a day before all days when there was no day but the ancient of days God himself there was a time before all time when God only was the uncreated the only existent one There was no world, no sun, no moon, no stars, no universe, but God alone. How did all this, which we now see and hear, happen? Why this creation? It didn't need to have been. But the Father's love made him resolve to show forth the glory of his Son, the one who created all things. The mysterious story which has been gradually unfolded before us has only this one design, 
the Father would make known His love to the Son and make the Son's glories to appear before the eyes of those whom the Father gave Him. God only knows the love of God and all that is prepared for those who are the objects of it. Beloved, hold your friends lovingly, but be ready to yield them to Jesus. Don't hold them back from the one to whom they belong. When they are sick, fast and pray. But when they are departed, do much as David did, who washed his face and ate and drank. You will go to them. They cannot return to you. Comfort yourselves with the double thought of their joy in Christ and Christ's joy in them. Add the triple thought of the Father's joy in Christ and in them. Let us watch the Master's call. Let us not dread the question, who next? Who next? Let none of us start back as though we hope to linger longer than others. Let us even desire to see our names in the celestial roll call. Let us be willing to be dealt with just as our Lord pleases. Let no doubt intervene. Let no gloom encompass us. Dying is but going home. That's episode one. It informs us that God who created the people that we love, he has every right to take them back to himself. He had every right to give them, and he had every right to take them back. And when you and I wrestle with that, it it tells us we've become citizens of a temporary situation where we're the center, and God has to make things about us temporarily here, and yet God said, that's not the world that I created for you. My promises are about taking you to another place, and I'm going to take everybody out of this place. This is a temporary place. Two more things. We discover that there is, well, one more thing. We discover why things operate the way they do in this life on earth. Why are things so hard here? Because there's this disease that lives in every one of us. In episode one, everybody contracted a disease. It's a disease called sin. It's in every one of us. It's incurable. It's mutated over and over and over and over again. No matter what man tries to create as an antibody to this disease known as sin, it just proliferates and spreads and spreads and spreads. It's an epidemic and no one has escaped being able to be free of it. That's why life is the way it is. Episode 1 tells us, we discover there's a spiritual being known as Satan who's aided by an army of fallen spiritual beings who live a camouflaged existence with the goal of deceiving and destroying humanity. This great disease that we have contracted has, has severed the spiritual optic nerve of our lives so that we no longer see God. And in our blindness to God, we make everything here temporary, our gods. And these beings that live among us, unseen by us, aid in that process. This is episode one. Right? You may have skipped that. Trying to figure out why is life the way it is? Why is my life the way it is? Well, that's why. We discover in episode one that God is going to eradicate this disease of sin and will destroy all that sin has touched. 
this isn't going to feel like good news at all. But it's in the Bible. And it's the reality of what awaits this fallen world, this sin-infested world. There is a, a disease operating here. Now you, you guys have seen this if you've watched certain plague-type studies from history where plagues had set in to a location and in the risk that even a germ, just a little piece, a, a molecule of that disease could survive, it would once again proliferate and destroy everything. They burned everything up, didn't they? They burned the bodies and corpses of people who had been killed. They burned everything to eradicate sin's presence. Well, God is going to do something similar to that. Second Peter chapter three, verse eight. Do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that the Lord with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved in the earth, and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people are we to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Episode 1 tells us something. No one can stay here. Not only is this a temporary existence that you and I are going to die in, if we don't find the bridge out, we're going to all die here. But God is actually going to destroy all this. Because of the presence of sin, God is going to put sin away by destroying everything that sin has touched. If you want to go back in episode 1 and watch a play of this, it's what happens to Sodom and Gomorrah. Sin has so infected a city. As an illustration, sin has run rampant throughout this city. And God is going to destroy it, completely destroy it. He's going to rain heaven, fire from heaven down upon the city and destroy everything in the city. And the only ones who get out are a man named Lot who knew God and his family. It's the only ones who escape. Everyone else is destroyed. Wait, wait, Keith, you, you mean everybody in that city was killed by those actions? Yes. And you think that's right? Well, can I just humbly tell you, I'm not the center of the universe. I don't always know what's right. But the owner created everything, and what I know about him is he's patient and loving and kind and caring. And whatever was poured out on that city was exactly the same thing that was poured out on his own son in order to provide a bridge that would take us to an everlasting place. I know that about that, that God. 
the one who created everything. I can't explain everything he does because, quite honestly, I don't always know what's good and what's not good. That, that comes from him. I can't be the origin. I, I'm, I can't fall prey to being Bilbo and picking up God's creation and saying, this is what this is for, to make you disappear and reappear and disappear and reappear. Oh, really? You have no idea what that's for, do you? I just found this life. I was just born into it just like you were, and I found this life. I'm not sure I'm qualified to tell you what's always right and what's not right. That's outside of my pay grade. But there is a God who created all things, and he's Lord of everything. He's the owner of it all. And I learned about him in episode one, and it explains why. Why right now, today, every one of us sitting in this building needs to be looking for a bridge that will take you to everlasting. Because if death doesn't get you, God is going to destroy everything that's here in order to put sin away from his creation forever. Now listen. What if that's really the reality of our lives? Then whether you and I know where that bridge is is the most important thing about us, isn't it? It's the most important thing about us getting to the bridge of the resurrection that will take us to the other side. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to want every one of us to think for a moment about where we are in that. Let me ask Eric if he'll go ahead and come back up. There's a passage in Romans chapter 10 that tells us a little bit about how we find this bridge. It says this. It says, if we confess with our mouths, Jesus is Lord. All right, can I I make that phrase mean what it means now when you look at what Lord is? It doesn't mean that Jesus is uh, some form of respected being in the universe. If I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. He's the Lord. He's the owner. He's the master of everything. If I confess with my mouth that I acknowledge, Jesus, you are the owner. You're the owner of me. You have the rights over my life and my existence. You created everything for yourself. So this morning, I'm sitting here on borrowed time. I'm sitting here in the realm of time that you created. I'm breathing air that you created for your purposes. You created me for you. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I've used this picture. It's a great trilogy picture. Humanity on earth, chasing and running, living life, being drawn into this storyline, that storyline. But you and I all know the movie's going to end. It's a short film. The credits are going to roll. And at the end of that moment, if you haven't crossed the bridge to the other side, you are in serious trouble. Episode one. The most important thing for you today is, did did you find the bridge? Or are you amongst those in the story that are running here and there? Are you maybe here this morning not even looking for the bridge? I'm, I'm, I'm busy 
I'm busy in my own chapters of my own life. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make this life work. I'm trying to put a fresh coat of paint on my life. I'm trying to fix things so that I can stay here permanently. Listen, you know this. You know this before you came in here today. You are not staying here. And whether you've managed to busy your life in such a way that you've dulled the voice of that reality, it is still as true as it ever was. If you just stop and listen for a moment, you aren't getting out of here alive. And if you don't join those who have believed in the resurrection and made Jesus Christ master and Lord of their lives and get to the other side of that bridge, if you don't know where that bridge is, you are going to die apart from God. That's the story of the resurrection as revealed by episode one. This isn't just a cute Easter story. It's desperately needed in our lives. This is the most important thing about us. All right, tomorrow's Monday. Let me go back one Monday. Last Monday, were you busy trying to find the bridge? Is that the most important thing about your life, getting to the bridge? Does that define who you are? Last New Year's Day, what would you do? You woke up in the morning and a new year was in front of you. Was your mind filled with, get to the bridge, make sure you get to the bridge. On your birthday last year, what would you do on your birthday last year? Did you celebrate with the knowledge of the, the, the one thing I'm about in my life today and every day is getting to that bridge. I've got to get to the bridge. Where's the bridge? Do you know where the bridge is? Do you have an exit strategy for your life? That's what the resurrection is. That's what we celebrate today. This trilogy story that God will take us to another place. Let's, let's stand up together. Lord, this morning, we don't want to make the mistake of fast-forwarding all the way to an empty tomb and hearing a story about Jesus Christ coming out of that empty tomb. And Lord, somehow that, that just finds its way into our lives. Lord, maybe we've applied it to something temporary. We're even people who know something about God and therefore we believe in that. There's this God who can make the stuff in my life, the relationships in my life, come back to life for me. He came back to life. He can make my earthly life better. Lord, you certainly can do that and you do do that. But Lord, it's much more serious than that because when we watch episode one, God, we find out about a disease that's here and it's not going away until the day that you destroy it completely. God, we find out that this is a temporary place. We know that in our hearts because we've watched people die, but, but Lord, we know it also because you're going to destroy everything here and you're going to make it new. You get, there's going to be a new earth and a new heaven and in those places righteousness will dwell and we will see you and you will be among us we will see you face to face 
And we, we, will, we won't use faith in that day to see you, God. We will behold you with bodies that have spiritual eyes to be able to look upon you. And it will be like drinking in what our soul craves 24-7. Lord, this morning, this event that we call Easter, it's about that. And Lord... You want it to be real. God, I thank you for Jen's story. She stood up and talked about what she's experienced in her own life. And, Lord, there's many more stories here. But, God, my concern, there's some here who don't have a story yet. When they think about last Monday, it wasn't about getting to the bridge to be with you. They don't live life sounding like Abraham, following God all the way to a heavenly place where I'll dwell with him and see him face to face. They think back to their last birthday or go back to January 1 of this year and things that were being celebrated and thought about and plans and things that they're concerned about and eager for. Lord, it wasn't about getting across that bridge to be with you. That was not what life was about. Lord, if those folks are here right now, God, help Help them to see. Lord, I thank you that there was a day in my life where that was true for me. I believed in a God, but you were not what I was about. I was more the center. You were more a player in my world. I was about earthly things. I was not about heavenly things. God, I thank you for the day you invaded my life and changed that. I thank you for the folks that are here this morning who can tell a story about a day when God invaded my life and changed what I was about. Now, with everybody just praying and giving God a moment with them, this morning. Maybe you're here and last Monday and last week and last year was not about you getting to the other side after you died. It wasn't about you being with God forever. That's not what's defining your life. Well, listen, this morning God wants to open your eyes to see that's what your life was to be about. Knowing God and wanting God above everything else in your life. That's what God had in mind. All things were created for him, you. You were created for him. Nothing else is going to ever make sense in your life until that makes sense. And maybe right now it's making sense. If it is, begin to talk to God. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in this resurrection to be with him, well, tell God, God, today, Today, redefine me, Lord. You tell God. You don't need to tell me. Tell God. Invite him right now. God, give me. Give me what you had in mind. God, redefine my life today. I I want you to be the Lord. I want you to be the master of my life. I recognize today you really rightly are the owner of my life. Who I am, who I'm going to be, every dollar in my life, every second of time. Every relationship that exists, God, it was all created for you. Lord, today, today, Easter Sunday, 2012, I open, I open my hands to you, Lord, and I release my life into your hands. God, today, you be my Lord. I'm entrusting it all to you, God. And I'm entrusting that one day you will take me from this place and I will be with you forever. An everlasting place on the other side of that bridge. I believe today in the resurrection, and my hope is the resurrection. 
My hope is not in my body being healed. My hope is not in my money getting increased. My hope is not in my fame. My hope is in the resurrection that you will take me to be with you forever. Lord, for all those who right now, that's their heart, and they're praying that to you, and they're talking to you. God, I pray for the grace of your spirit to flood into their hearts, that they will remember, Lord, as I remember a day in February of 1979 where this moment became real for me. God, I pray for many here today that Easter 2012 would be the moment where they remember Jesus became the owner of my life and my hope became the resurrection to take me to another place. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for these words. Thank you for this truth. God, as we close with this song, Lord, it's the reality of our lives. Soon and very soon, we will get to be with the one that we love the most. Oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the resurrection. In Jesus' name. Soon and very